Johnston is back on the road and back making new music after a seven-year hiatus. Here now is Freedy to tell why it took so long to get Back on the Road to You made. Sometimes a heart will break. Well, that's just what they do. It's been seven years, yeah. So uh, I'm, I've got to not do that again. <laughs> time to do that again. Yeah, fair enough. What was the main cause of the, the delay or the, the the gap there? I don't know. I think it was it was just life. I moved once and then uh, COVID happened. And uh, I, I tried to record some of it. Uh, and that we had to start over, basically. Yeah. So right. seven years uh, um, uh, went by. And that's just not allowed. I I, <laughs> I know that. Back when I was listening to music in high school, if an artist went seven years without making a record, it meant they retired, you know. Pretty much so, yeah. And uh, of course, that was Is back in the day when nobody could, uh, the Rolling Stones couldn't be going after they were 30. So, you know, times have changed. Well, that was exactly right. <laughs> I made half the record, I started the record in when I was living in Hoboken. And right. And then uh, it didn't work out for whatever reason. It just happened sometimes. So then I moved to California and, mm -hmm. uh, that time was right before COVID. So, so the move and then COVID, it just, it, it, it took some years out of the calendar somehow. I don't know how it happened. And I have to admit during COVID, I was, I was uh, very isolated in uh, Oklahoma. Right. Uh, on my brother's, brother's farm. Uh, he wasn't there. He was in Florida. Anyway, really isolated. And so for a, a week or two, I quit music, you know, a lot of really dramatic, you know, and maybe everyone does it at one at one time, but I I didn't quit for long. It was about two weeks. Two weeks. Okay, um, that's quite a retirement. So, because because <laughs> I, I realized that I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make songs anyway. It's kind of a you know it's just a habit in my head by now. So it's like all right, I'll do it again because I was very depressed about not having got the record done. Right. About no gigs for so long. Right. And uh, uh, I thought you know hey it's maybe time. This is a message maybe you know it's time to. I like to do things like I like to paint and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just, you know, live out here. You know, these yeah. fantasies, they lasted about two weeks. Like I said, cause it, it's by now my, uh, the only thing I can do. And I, and I'm glad for that. So then we, we did a Kickstarter campaign. Once I, after COVID, I moved back to California to the Joshua tree where right. I live, whenever I live anywhere. And <laughs> then um, I, uh, I did a Kickstarter campaign, which I, you know, I don't want to resort to those anymore. It was really good to have done it. And the folks were fantastic. They right. ponied up and we made the record uh, uh, last December pretty, pretty quickly. You know, it was a month process or so. So there you go, man. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing the job again, doing the thing again. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like you got some cool people. I mean, anytime you got Doug Pettibone in your, in your record, I'm always impressed. I think he's a you know, yeah. great player. So tell me how you assembled your your band and how you got things rolling in the studio. Yeah. Those guys are pretty, pretty top notch. Well, I just happen to be, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like, I'm a lucky guy. I have friends <laughs> yeah. and friends, friends uh, of friends, but all those guys are friends that play on the record. I didn't know uh, Sasha Smith before the record, the keyboard player. Right. Fantastic keyboard player. Really yep. good. But, but uh, just LA guys and uh, they're there just the best of the best, you know, Groovy's band. And so that, and, and then Eric Korn, the producer uh, also uh, runs the label. For right. the it was, a, it was a great team. 
got the record done and uh, it's got me back on a 18 month or so like the old days, like the nineties, 18 month schedule. You know? right. So I'm going to put a record out 18 months from this time. All righty. You have that, songs so that, ready that's, already? That's, Do you have a backlog? I've got, so, l- luckily I had a, a sort of a backlog. Yeah. From, yeah. from COVID. And uh, so they're getting ready. I'll record maybe, uh, you know, within a year. It's, it's weird to think that, but that's how I got to do it. You right. know, got it. Yep. I'm, I'm going to do that till the end. That's, that's, that's my, that's my small goal is to make a record every 18 months. That's got it. I can't do it anymore. Good to have goals. So you mentioned Sasha Smith, the keyboard player. He takes a bit of a solo on the title track. Tell me a little bit about the song and how that all came together. song actually that's existed for a couple of years but i never took it seriously as any song that anybody would like but it it was liked and so we uh we worked it up and then the fact that you know it it never even crossed my mind it becoming the title track or the first song at all i thought well this will be like a kind of light-hearted end of album track but there you go It, it 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 just made sense you know i'm truly getting back into the into the uh onto the road, back into the biz. So what the heck? Be honest right, with right. it. And also I realized, well, hey, man, I'm going to do, if I can, I want to do another half dozen or dozen records or whatever, you know? Sure. Yep. Like uh, like Willie, you know, has done, what, 70 albums, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's still Anyway, cooking. so it's like, I don't want to get, I don't, <laughs> yeah, and he's still doing it. So I don't want to get too wrapped up in, I was like, we got it done. It's called this. This is the cover photo. Put it out, you know? Right. It's a good feeling, rather, because I, I tend to, a little too wrapped up and micromanaged stuff, you know. Ah, okay. It was good to good to have a label who just said, "Let's do, you know, let's do it this way. Let's do this schedule on, on the singles. This is the artwork, you know. Yep. Go team. Go team. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really is a great team. A great, great. Uh, it's great, great to be part of. I have a booking agent again. So I guess I've come out of my two week retirement. Good on you. All righty. Uh, now, you mentioned the old friends that you have on the record. One of those friends is somebody you've worked with for quite a while, Susan Cowsill. She's on uh, The Power Cowsill. of Love. Tell me about the way how you guys work together and what the relationship is all about musically. Sister Susan, I, I love all the all the singers on on the album. Uh, Susanna Hoffs is one of my favorite singers. Yep, of all, and uh, I love. I'm honored to have met her and worked with her. Susan Cowsill, of course, is just just you know my sister. <laughs> and then Amy Mann, you know, is, is a friend from the '90s and is right. really a really a, a you know amazing artist. A, a really wide-ranging artist. She did dar- a song called "Darling" on right. the record, and she's she's doing a. Uh, she does cartoons. She calls them cartoons, but they're they're drawings of her, 
you know, of her, I guess, saying things. I don't, I don't know them well enough, but you can look at Amy Mann's drawings. Anyway, she did an animation to the song. Ah. So I'm really, really psyched to see that. That's, we're going to get that in a few days. Oh, but cool. uh, work, working with all three of them was, it was, it was uh, uh, still COVID and, uh, or COVID-y, COVID-ish in LA. <laughs> so it, it was all uh, remote. Um, you know, Michael Penn recorded Amy. So that's cool. I've got right. guest star engineers. <laughs> right. And, and so I, when you work like that, it must be there pluses and minuses when you're remotely working, you sense a track out and see what yeah. you get back. Cause I would know, I would imagine normally in the studio, there'd be talk and try it this way, try it that way. And oh, sure. so how does that work for you? It's, it's hardest. I think it's hardest on the singer. You know, you've really put them on the spot. Right. I felt bad for all of them. You know, I felt they, they were pros. They rose to the occasion, but it was, it was, uh, you know, they were all asking, so what, tell me what you want exactly, you know, cause you're not here. So, um, that's what I would have said. Right. But, uh, they, they all, they all did, did their, you know, what came to them, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I can't write music, so I couldn't give them a chart or anything. And they just, <laughs> they did what I did have a guide vocal, I think on some of them, but it, it's not the way to work. Ideally, you're, you're right, Marty. Next time, uh, next record, definitely uh, I want to do it in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a tune called Madeline's Eye, which is kind of uh -huh. different. It's some, something yeah. along the lines of robot love or something is what I can glean from it. Tell me what inspired that, if you it dare. It kind of is. <laughs> Theme, you know, right. and I'm, I'm one of these, uh, 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 I'm one of these alien guys, you know. I, uh, um, I love science fiction. I mean, I'm an alien believer, that kind of person. Right. Sorry to, uh, uh, you know, I don't have my tinfoil hat on, but um, <laughs> it's actually become more respectable these days. Yeah. Well. But but the, but so I love you know the the I've, I've had a couple songs uh, about machine. Uh, 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 girlfriends, and you know, I've been told, you know, by maybe I don't know, by girlfriends, like, what do you, you know, I, th I think this is your fantasy. Maybe you, what are you saying in this song? Do you want to control me? Right. But anyway, I, I just think it's a, it's kind of a, it's a song that will make more sense in the coming decades. You know, right. yep, yep. it actually happens. So, um, yeah, it was it, again, there was more of a lighthearted song that uh, I don't, I didn't know if it was going to make it on the record, even you know. So w when you're deciding what makes it on the record, how does that process work for you? Do you sit there and you've got songs all over the place? And are they already I wish recorded? I did. They, yeah. It's usually the ones that are done. Right. And, and, and <laughs> now, it's, now it's, now it's, uh, um, for whatever reason, it's a, it's a, uh, 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 strategic reason. Mm -hmm. Only put out 10 song records, which I'd like to, I'd like to put out, you know, 20 song records, but 10 right. songs is all that pays somehow. So, so that's actually easier for me. I used, I, you know, somehow 10, not easier, but I'll, there were a couple songs that didn't make it to this record that will make it on the next one. That right. kind of thing. I'm, of course, I'm, 10 I'm songs is good for vinyl. 
And vinyl is kind of research. It's good for vinyl. <laughs> it's good for vinyl, which is, which it's great to be putting out vinyl and colored yeah. vinyl. I've never put out, vinyl. Ah. I've put out vinyl before. Uh, uh, Can You Fly came out on Rough Trade in England on vinyl. Right. Black vinyl. So, so that's, you know, that's cool. I, I, you know, you gotta love that. <laughs> well, the, the music business has changed a lot since you started out back in the nineties. Uh, is it for the better, for the worse, or just different, uh, especially since you've been kind of out of it for seven or eight years. Now? I don't know. I tell you what, that question is always, you know, it's a, it's an, it's an obvious, but it, it should be asked. It's a, it's a common question, right? There's a lot of answers to it <laughs> yeah. in a way, because it's on different levels. Yeah. Like for me, if I take away the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the social media marketing and the release of the singles digitally, it's like making a record in the seventies. Right. The recording process. If you, we use the computer, but if you did, if you just took the computer in the next room, we used it like a 24 track. But I must say that perhaps there was some editing, but what I'm trying to say is that making the record was like you could have done in the old days. Certainly mm -hmm. it's coming out on vinyl it's like, you know, so it's really not that different to me from my end. The marketing, the social freaking media, something I do not pretend to like right. at all is really a big part of it. And that's new. So that's different. As right. far as, so from, so from my end, it's not different. But as far as the music biz and how it is for other people, it's completely an alien world, you know? Yeah. And that I just don't even pretend to understand. Luckily, I think, you know, I got it in at the tail end of what will be called. It's called classic rock now, but it will be called classical rock in the future. Right. You know? It only, yeah. I really think, you know, we're just reinventing it. So it's like that 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. End of it. I think maybe eighties at the most yep. thing. Pre grunge will be like this music that keeps getting regurgitated. And um, so making it will be the same for a while right, <laughs> you know right. i know that uh, uh peter buck who um lives in portland i did yeah. i have a portland band and we did a gig uh, where he his uh his buddies the eyelids were on the same bill so peter buck was there we were talking about making you know he was talking about working on on two inch tape right 24 track it's like yep. you know that's like by far the best way to work you know because it limits you and uh it, it sounds better and it limits you two good things Gotcha. You know, it's like, well, we only got two tapes here, guys. Let's, you know, instead of like, just give me 10 more of those and I'll put it together later. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Well, it's interesting because then, there's like two, there's one side, people are recording in classic studios. They'll go to Muscle Shoals or someplace in Nashville and, you know, mm -hmm. get the vibe of the place and all that. And other people are, especially with COVID, realizing they can do all this amazing stuff on their computer at home. So it's like yeah. complete diametrically opposed things trying to get to the same place it seems like it's but as far as the kind of music we're talking about you can still tell a quality <laughs> place I, when i when i made neon repairman my last record yeah we worked for a couple uh, uh songs at a place called house of blues not not the house of blues uh restaurant but it's, right. it's a studio that's now sadly gone in encino a really nice place it was like, like some big stars you know, private studio with pool, tennis court. Anyway, we worked there and did a couple songs. And then I did the rest of the record at a very good studio with the same gear, but just smaller and just, you know, more of a homey thing. Yep. And I remember my, my girlfriend at the end of the record, she said, 
there's just something about it. these two songs. They just sound more classy. <laughs> and, you know, just, it, I remember that being, that being really instructive to me. It's like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, they just sound more classy. What's different about it? Like, oh, you know, that's the sound of the studio, really. Yep. You know, it's just a sound. And yeah. so that is real. I was very honored to play four gigs opening for the great Ian Hunter. Oh, uh, oh uh, this is my been, favorite band is my <laughs> He's such a nice, nice man and such a great rocker. Oh man. And we were playing, we were playing Memphis. I did four gigs. We were playing Memphis and uh all the, the way guy to that runs <laughs> all the way to Memphis. And all the all the guy that runs Sun Studios now, who is right. related to Sam Phillips, I believe, um shut down the, the studio for a few hours to give Ian a private tour. And so we got to go along. And so, because the studio is still running, Sun Studios is still rentable. Yep. Yep. There, was a, there was a band in there the night before. It's the same linoleum tile on the floor, the same glass in the control room, the same recorders and board, the same piano. It's like, are you freaking kidding? Some of the same microphones. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I mean, we, we, even Hunter, we, we're all like, are you kidding me? So, yeah. No, and the same, like, uh, acoustic. Said, no, it's just like when Elvis was here. It was, like, it was really creepy and, yeah. and, and, and funny and, a real connection to, to, for me, you know, to my style of music. It's like, wow, it really started here. And yep. so we, um, we couldn't help it. We, uh, there were guitars on the wall and I have to admit, I was the, the nudes that did. I picked up a guitar and started just jamming. Yeah. And the rest of the rest of the band jammed in, you know, Jim, Jim uh, Mastro and, and Mark. Uh, and so anyway, so we did that. And, uh, uh, uh and then, Ian Hunter went over to this, this piano and started tinkling on it and said, uh, and then said, that's not, that's not, I don't really like that piano. That's not a very good piano. And, the, and, the, and the, the owner of the studio said, well, that was Jerry Lee's favorite piano. Oh. It's, it's an old, it was an old spinet piano with like a Bakelite top, like plastic type. It looked like yeah. a really shitty piano, frankly. But he said, yeah, I don't really like it. And his keyboard player, Dennis, this guy from New York, went over and sat down on it and just went full Jerry Lee on it. Just wailed on that thing. And then you got up and said, ain't nothing wrong with that piano, boss. <laughs> just one of the great rock moments I got to witness, man. Said, ain't nothing wrong with that piano, boss. That's fantastic. At Sun Studios. It's very, very cool. Did you record anything so, uh, or just goof around? <laughs> we just goofed around. We didn't realize the 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 import of the moment. I mean, it right. really is. You can go. You can go there tomorrow and rent the damn place. It's yeah. really cool. I want to go. Very small room. You know, it looks yeah. like it used to be a shoe store or something, or a right. dock, it looked, or it could have been a, a professional office. It has a front reception area, and then the back office could have been a dentist's office. Could have been anything. So very cool. It's still there. Lovely. I can't believe we managed so, to work so, Ian Hunter into this, into this interview. Yeah, I'm glad. He's my fave. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, that, that, they, they were an inspiring band from, uh, I didn't really, they were kind of, I didn't know what to think about them because I was way into David Bowie. Right. And then I was like, what is this Moth the Hoople thing, you know, because he wrote their big hit. Yep. Yep. And produced that album. But the interesting thing is the their best album is the one they did after it without Bowie. <laughs> so there you go. Right. Which is called what what's that it's was the one where they're gonna Mott. break up. It's just called Ma. It's called Ma. But and it's Matt. It's a it's the one that starts yeah, out with all the way from Memphis and you know all that stuff. And they were gonna break up, right? But then when yeah. they made that record and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the bass player over end watch was gonna join asked to join Bowie's band, and Bowie said something like 
you, Monte Hoople can't break up with, I'll make your album. So you got them back together again. And the oh, rest is history. Bowie. <laughs> Man, Bowie is just, you know, he's just, there's nothing. I don't know. I didn't never, I didn't know the guy. I don't really know him personally, but he just seems like the best artist of my, yeah. of whatever art form I'm doing. He was yeah. the best one. No, as I just, far as a person, as far as a create this creative genius, his ability, his actual, you know, playing ability, his creativity, whatever, his niceness, his actual, yep. is apparently like a really, truly nice person, which is, you know, as you may know, dealing with musicians, you know, that's not the norm. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you seen a, there's a new film called Moon Age Daydream about Bowie. It's kind of a, no, I want to, oh, it's amazing. It's about two and a half hours, long, two, two fifteen. It's just like a montage of Bowie from beginning to oh, end. And the sound has been remixed that. by Tony Visconti, for like surround, oh, you know, man. You, you check it out. It's an immersive experience. It's oh, not I a traditional doco. It's just all the stuff. Hopefully it's online somewhere. I can find that. It's, you know, it's just come out. So you need to see it in a cinema though, because you need to see it on a big screen. You need to sure. hear it with like the whole. You need to hear the, the surround set. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, there was an interview with uh, uh, Tony Visconti. You know, there are lots of interviews now with producers and, and, and engineers in the studios with like, uh, like Alan Parsons. Yeah, in the in the studio where they made Dark Side of the Moon, that kind of thing. Yeah, but anyway, Tony Visconti is where was sitting there uh, listening to the to the multi track of Heroes, uh-huh. and he described it as you know it's it's a beautiful moment. The, the band came in at like after midnight partying in Berlin, you know, and and David just went down went to the piano and just started playing that dun, 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 and the drummer started playing and the bass player plugged into this dun, 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 phaser. And started playing the bass line. Yeah. And that was it. Just those three, I think. Yeah. And he and he sang the melody. But that's the whole that that take was the track. That's that the one. Based huh? it on. Man. Just the first take. It's like it's fascinating to hear this. Like that's real artistry. Yeah. You know, just yeah. Bowie is just the um all the, the Robert Fripp guitar thing comes later. Yeah. That was put on later. Yep, yep. Uh, I think Eno Eno might have been there too. I think he was, yes. <laughs> at, at the at the, at the basic track session, you know, yep. he was doing stuff. So um, it was just a beautiful story how that song came about. Rather than, yeah, we worked on it for weeks and weeks, and you know, finally got the basics. Like, no, it just happened. Once, this happened. You know? It's got to be it's inspiring for could. someone like you to hear those stories and it go, well, you know, I got to get some of that magic. <laughs> you got to get. The, well, you know, I've learned that just or. I learned it, but I've observed it over the years making demos because I've had to make home demos for years, like every musician. And you know that one take of a song sometimes you're like, you never could get it again like that. Yep. Yep. On the demo. Yeah. And you can't always rely on that. You can't release it. But it's sort of like, oh, I got that one vibe on that one. Why can't I put it out? You know, that's just the way it is. But, but uh, the, uh, uh, in Bowie's case, that's, you know, he's brave enough and, and knowledgeable enough to say, no, that's what we're using. Yep, 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 yep. And he's I, Bowie. I just loved it. <laughs> I love love Bowie. And, you know, I put, sad, sadly, they're all gone. Prince, and I was going to mention Prince and Tom Petty. Yep, two yep. Two other great, great geniuses that are it's unbelievable that they're gone. Yeah, I think all people three, are rediscovering or reassessing Tom Petty now that he's gone because he was kind of taken for granted. He was always around just cranking out hits, you know, got that classic yeah. rock sound. Well, there's that film about him. Uh, that's, that's years old now, the documentary about him that I, I hope I haven't seen it. I, I, I regret, um, yeah. you know, uh, um, I don't have a TV, but um, I should rent it anyway. 
Tom was just a very, very deep and 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 cool and uh, influential and necessary artist kind of like he was needed yeah. at that time. They needed yeah. a rock star who could just churn out the hits and was just really cool and like wasn't he was rock, but he wasn't. He was new wave, but he wasn't new. Wave, you know, it was really those guys were needed at that time. Yeah, I yeah. loved Tom Petty. Yeah. I remember when the first Tom Petty and Heartbreakers album came out. Everybody. They were trying to make him out to be punk because everything new in like 1977 or whatever yeah. was considered punk and they had a, and there was already a heartbreakers that was punk. So, <laughs> but they kind of yeah, got they, out of that. They, they got out of that, I guess, you know, and, and, and then when you hear the mud crutch record and realize that they were just Southern rockers, you know, yep, that, yep, yep. They, yeah. good old, good old they, they were more um, the Eagles than, than, you know, than, than definitely, rock. definitely, you know, I, I remember, I mean, I made a record with Stan Lynch, the great, the hilarious Stan Lynch. I love Stan. Um, he's my favorite drummer. <laughs> he, is he, yeah, he's, he's, that's, that's a good favorite. He's, yeah. a, he is fantastic. But he talked about how they, you know, they were just in their station wagon. I, I hope I'm not telling his story improperly. Either van or station wagon, just driving from Florida, you know, with their 16 track tapes of their, or maybe eight track tapes, I don't know, of, of their songs and, and a recorder, I think, you know. And when they did the demo, I, th I think Stan, yeah, I know Stan described it like this. There were like, say there were eight faders. He had the drum fader, like on the mix, like it was his decision. How loud the drums were. <laughs> and Mike Campbell had the guitar fader, like his decision, <laughs> you know, because they were a band. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. You, you set the guitar, the guitar level, uh, 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 Mike, you're the guitar player, which is just, it's too funny. I yeah, that's awesome. That. <laughs> Jimmy I.O. Bean would add something that's a real about band. that. <laughs> I'm oh, sure. Yeah. But I, I love Tom so much. And and then Prince too, you know, yeah. Prince, you can't say that he was like Tom and Bowie, just a naturally lovely person, yeah. honestly. And he, and he wouldn't want to be thought that way. He was an intense person. Yep. Yep. Well, but I was lucky was, enough to see him was, two months before he died. He played a piano and microphone show here in Auckland <sighs> and it was my only time to see him. And it was like, Oh, wow. thank goodness. I, I got that chance. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah one of the greatest artists who's ever lived, you know, yeah, and yeah. knew it. I think that's how he became so great. Some of these people have to be that way. Yeah. These people, whatever you want yeah. to say, they have to think that they are just the greatest. Honestly, I think, you know, Elton John, who yep. I really love, you know, he's completely full up to his neck with himself, but that's how he became yep. Elton John, you know, yep. and yep. Other, other guys like that. I really admire it. It's really more like saying, wow, I like, I wish I was tall. I wish I could run fast. You know, it's like you can't really, you can't really uh, learn that. No, that's true. You have to be born. But I really admire it. It makes some artists just really, uh, just I don't know. I love it. I don't know what to Fantastic. say. But it makes them into the gods that they want to be. Kind of exactly. Yep. yep. Like, like in Bowie's case, you know. Yep. Yep. Really, yep. He could have stopped a decade or more before yep. he did, and still been unbelievable. Yeah. 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 You know? Now, what, what am I? What, when I see you in uh, next week in Nashville, what what can we expect? What are you going to be doing? Well, I wish I wish I I'd hoped you were going to say when I see you next week in Auckland, that would be awesome. Well, come back with you. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope to make it over there. You know, I've never I've never been uh, east of. Uh, I guess what's the most easternmost point? Uh, Seattle. You know, yeah, so right. I've never made okay. it off, off the continental US, uh, at least that way. So I hope. Yeah. But but in uh, in Nashville, I'll, I'll be solo. I did a okay. gig last night, but like I said, that's that's a rare thing. Um, 
and I'll play. I don't know if you're coming to the, the first thing I'm doing is the party for my uh, uh, publicist, Patty DeBreeze, her company, right. Planet. You know, I think I play a 30, 40 minute set. I have to play a couple of the new songs, yep. a couple of the, the songs that people know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, in my experience has been, let's see, since COVID, it's been two years for me. I've only done at the most 10 or 12 gigs since then. Yeah. So that's yeah. just nothing. Um, but I've noticed that every one of them has been, you know, I used to get, honestly, I'm, you know, I must say, I get a little cranky sometimes on stage. You know, it happens when you're playing solo, <laughs> and whatever. It just doesn't happen anymore. I, right. I'm glad it's burned out of me and I hope it stays that way. It's like any cool. gig, any time, anywhere. I'm just so happy to be there. And I don't know who I was listening to. I've been listening to a lot of musician interviews, maybe somebody from the sixties, but he was talking about, Maybe it's some, might have been Mike Campbell, even uh, from, obviously not from the city. They're saying like, yeah, man, there'd be nice we'd be playing if we didn't realize we didn't have the audience. So we'd just keep playing until we had the audience. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> instead of like, oh, yeah, we just, gave, we just wrapped it up. So, no, we just kept playing until we had the audience, you know. Yeah, very good. So Where's that's kind of the way to look at it. <laughs> Where's the live by? It's like, you know, it's like, you guys are talking. I'm going to play even more then, you know. Is it, yep. Like last night, the, the folks, some folks were talking. Well, it was a band gig, but people were talking. They hadn't seen each other, I realized, you know. Right. And they do this the, the thing that I do. Like, they're listening while they're talking. Because the the, you know, the crowd of people, they, they, just one song, maybe, you know, they were doing that. And as soon as the song was over, everyone started clapping, you know, because they, <laughs> they, they, they had been listening. So, anyway, the, uh, I'm just glad to be doing it again. It really is something that it had to be taken away, I guess, to, to appreciate it yeah i don't know i hate to be so philosophical about yeah, you don't know what you got till it's gone about it. isn't that what joni kind said of. <laughs> it's really you know I, I i do some um gigs with a steely dan cover band here in madison when i'm in town oh, really <laughs> it's really fun man they have horns background vocal they're an incredible band yeah. but i did a gig with them in minneapolis a month ago and uh the gigs it was a seated crowd the gig started out pretty great you know but then they played a couple certain crowd favorites and everybody started dancing and the power on stage was palpable it yeah, was yeah. like what you i mean i was like well here's this thing that, that i that i've been talking about well i can feel it like an electrical charge and i can see the band is playing differently because of it. it's like it's you know it's a real thing the, cool. the crowd is a real thing 